And now... From Nepal to North London, from Delhi to Dagenham, from the terraces to the armchair, it's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Football's in our DNA. Welcome to It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. I'm your host Tom and I'm once again in the company of the measured, reliable and occasional party animal known as Silent Dave. <laughs> Just booked your holiday, haven't you, eh? He's actually off to Corfu in June with Soggy Bob, the ex-lifeguard at our local swimming pool. Two cool cats on the prowl. Can't wait to hear the story. Now, years ago, myself and Dave went to Madeira. We got so drunk on peach snaps that I woke up naked in a shop doorway and Dave was arrested for sleeping in a bin caressing a cabbage. That was eight hours after we arrived. Lord alone knows the damage that's going to occur under the shameless guidance of Soggy Bob, the acknowledged face of overindulgence. This could uh, this could be a film, Dave. You could be played by Jude Law, eh? That's impressive. And Soggy Bob could be portrayed by Johnny Vegas. I know it's a good choice, right? It's an Arsenal thing. It's an Arsenal thing. Believe it or not, it's an Arsenal thing. With football and transfers, you know who will bring. You're listening to It's an Arsenal thing. Here we are again. Three losses on the bounce to Palace, Brighton and Southampton. Over 270 minutes of football. Six goals scored against, one goal scored for. Nine points dropped and three points behind the toilet bowl attendance. It's been a truly horrible period. Plus, we now have games against Chelsea and Manchester United coming up, which will really determine what direction we're heading in. I'll be in the gun room with Jay and Mitch to ponder the performance, the lack of options, the fickle fan base, and what Arteta can do, if anything, to get us back on track. Bearing in mind, our chase for the top four could effectively be over by next Sunday. We'll look at the new short film featuring Granite Xhaka in an attempt to set the record straight. We'll be looking at the transfer rumours in six words or less. There's a musical interlude, and during all this, we will try to raise a smile and lift your spirits. First up, it's the anniversary of David Seaman's spectacular save to deny Paul Pesca Salido during the FA Cup semi-final match between Arsenal and Sheffield United at Old Trafford in 2003. <gasps> Largely in take of breath. What a spectacular save it was as well. It looked like it was going over the line, but he just pulled his hand back and managed to sort of shovel it out. It was great. From Nepal to North London, from Delhi to Dagenham, from the terraces to the armchair, it's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Football's in our DNA. 
It's quite stunning, isn't it, really? The amount of players that have played for Arsenal, then Southampton and vice versa. Charlie George was at Arsenal from 68 to 75. Southampton from 78 to 81. Perry Groves at Arsenal from 86 to 92. Southampton 92 to 94. Theo Walcott went the other way. Southampton 2005-2006. Went to Arsenal 2006 to 18. And then back again. He wasn't satisfied. He didn't have his fill. Uh, he went back to Southampton in 2021. The late Alan Ball, sadly no longer with us, was at Arsenal 71 to 76. Then Southampton to 76 to 80. Oxlade Chamberlain was at Southampton 2010 to 2011. Then with Arsenal 2011 to 17. And Cedric Suarez, Southampton 2015 to 20. And Arsenal 2020 to the present day. Now, if I were you, Cedric, come here. Come here, let me take you under my wing. I'm going to give you some sound advice into your shell-like ear. I wouldn't go worrying about the loft extension, and I certainly wouldn't be considering extending the conservatory out into the garden. No, sir, I'd be tiptoeing up the loft stairs, dusting off the suitcases, and worrying about where my Ray-Bans, sun cream, and passport were. Yes, you get me? It's a limited gig, sir. It's a limited gig at the Emirates. You have been weighed, sir. You have been measured and you have been found wanting. Ta-ta. It's an Arsenal Thing podcast. Fun, football and conversation. Well, what about the Atletico City match? It was a mega bad-tempered affair, like a scene from West Side Story. I saw some bloke acting out a headbutt going upstairs, which, as we all know, is a health and safety concern. Headbutts on an even surface. Everyone knows that. Schoolboy error. There was barging, pushing, shoving, angry expressions, harsh words and clenched fists. It was like watching the return journey of a bunch of pitheads out on a stag night on the coach home. And hours after the game, it was still going on. The Atletico Madrid president said, We're a team with too much class for someone to offend us. And at the end, it's been shown that everyone has prehistory. We played a good game attacking and City yesterday played prehistory. Defensively, they put a wall up in front of their goal so they couldn't be scored on. Onwards, on the menu tonight, coefficient ranking by UEFA, which is effectively creating a two-tier European Super League without the name. It's based on success of the top European sides over the last 10 years. It's like taking a dump, covering it in gold leaf and serving it up in a glass frame as modern art. It's still a turd. It's almost like this is a European Super League light and the fear is that two might become four, might become eight with the Champions League becoming more and more of a closed shop. The ASL was a sideshow. It couldn't practically happen, but a Super League within UEFA via the Champions League very much could happen. We'll explore that in the gun room with the pod boys. In Arsenal news, there was homophobic abuse at the Emirates during the Brighton game. The club said, we can confirm that two supporters were ejected from the stadium and we stepped up the stewarding operations in the areas where the abuse was reported. A section of sad and miserable Arsenal fans have been claiming that Unai Emery was sacked prematurely after Villarreal dumped out Juventus and Bayern Munich. I can't stop laughing, honestly. It's Our, our fan base is so infuriating. You just want to go around and slap them with a wet fish. Um, to that, I just say back out. Former defender Socrates has come out in support of Aubameyang for the way he was dispensed with by Spanish Michael. 
Ian Wright believes Alexandra Lacazette no longer merits a place in the Arsenal starting eleven, according to Metro, that reliable football news outlet, after failing to score from open play since December and wants Gabriel Martinelli to play up top instead. Good call, sir! And according to Sport, Eden Hazard is unwilling to negotiate with Arsenal over a potential loan move despite his lack of playing time at Real Madrid. We don't care. We don't like you. What gave you the impression that we did? This is a song about corn nuts and intensely crunchy snack. It's not about anything else. Go to your room and lock the door. Cause when you try it once, you wanna try it some more. Size doesn't matter, and that's a fact. It might be small, but it's a big impact. Bust a nut, bust a nut. Grab a bag of corn nuts and bust a nut. They're lightly toasted and hard as hell. Enjoy yourself, we won't tell. Everybody does it, they like it a lot. You can do it in school, just don't get caught. It takes a few minutes if you don't delay. Take your time. Corn Nuts, an intensely crunchy corn snack, comes in seven nut-busting flavors. It's time to enter the gun room for a natter. <sighs> you can't tell whether I've got a black armband on, because um, I'm just in sort of black or blue or something. But uh, welcome to the gun room. With me are the podcasters. Jay, how are you? Yep, all good, all good. Mitch, how are you? Not too bad. Any more on this writing gig? Uh, I uh, just to lift the spirits. Yeah, I, I got to I got to publish uh, a thread this week on on my Twitter um, with a Q and A with Nigel Winterburn, who uh, played left back for Arsenal in the eighties and nineties. Very cool opportunity that I got to do. That uh, it's my pinned tweet right now on my Twitter account at Mitch Piotter. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, it was really cool to get that kind of opportunity. That's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, any any sort of dramatic expose answers that none of us would know? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, nothing Without crazy. Too much. I, I, I asked him about uh, like advice he'd give to Nuno Tavares. And I think that was a really like insightful answer considering he... You could say he was in uh, somewhat of a similar position when he first arrived at Arsenal of like not playing much and kind of being a young kind of like reserve kind of player. Um, and I think he gave a very insightful response with that. Um, I, I really appreciative for all the answers he gave me. Um, it's cool to get that kind of opportunity. Yeah, brilliant. Um, well, it's another sad podcast, isn't it? Another defeat. Uh, it doesn't tell the entire story. It comes at a time when we had the, the upper hand. We had games in hand. It was all looking rosy in the garden. And suddenly we're falling by the wayside big time. Uh, three NAF results clumped together. It feels like the beginning of the season again. Uh, let's look at the team first. Ramsdale, Cedric, White, Gabriel, Tavares, Laconga, Xhaka, Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli and Enketia. Um, Jay, happy with that lineup? Not that we had much choice, but you know. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, you, you, you just, um, you basically, we, we haven't too many options again. <laughs> the squad is just, it's just, it's just so thin and um, happy with the team, I suppose. So um, I, I didn't want to see Lacazette up front. 
but the alternative for me is not that much better. So, um, yeah, all in all, I was glad Tavares was playing. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, nothing really to add. We just, we just, we just threadbare, and it just shows. So, yeah, I was, I was, I was happy though. I suppose that's the perfect word, isn't it? Uh, threadbare. Uh, that's what. That's where we're at this time of the season. Mitch, any sort of alarm bells ringing in your ears with that little lineup? Uh, I was really happy with the lineup. I uh, I was I was thinking that Arteta would probably go Jaka left back again based on his comments earlier in the week. Uh, I'm really pleased that he didn't do that. And on top of that, I'm really pleased that uh, both Nuno and Inketia, who both got opportunities uh, this week, I, I don't think that they were the reason we lost by any means. In uh, Eddie Nketiah in particular, I thought was very, very bright. Um, I had some really, really good moments when I was rewatching the match today. I was specifically focusing on him uh, because I, I, I've written something that's going to be coming out a little bit later this week uh, about him because I, I thought he was he was very bright. I think and every single time that we've seen him this season, he's shown a lot more than what we've kind of like have this picture of Eddie Nketiah where he's just kind of just this fox in the box. Um, I think his movements been really good, especially laterally. Uh, offering a lot more with that than Lacazette does, where he's just dropping deep. And we, we saw times in the game where he was rotating with Saka, with Marnelli, uh, popping up in different areas, uh, and was uh, really kind of a variable member of the attack, as well as making some really good runs off the, off the, last, uh, the shoulder of the last defender uh, that I think was really, really effective. Um, and, and this variability at striker, uh, at the very least, will offer more than Lacazette has been doing for the last couple of months. Uh, and I, I see no reason why he should be dropped right now. Um, well, we're, we're cracking to the game a little bit. I don't, after three defeats, it's heavy going, isn't it, when you're podcasting? So uh, let's have a look at the stats. Uh, Southampton, nine shots. Arsenal, 23. Shots on target for Southampton, three. Uh, Arsenal, six. Um it's. I mean, we should have breezed this, really. I could have gone on to more possession and passing and all that sort of thing. But we yet again, we've had possession. We've done absolutely nothing with it. We've had chances, but we haven't put them away. Um, what's your overall impression of the game, Jay? Oh, I mean, I, to be honest, I only caught the last 20 minutes or so of it. Um, and I'm not going to put myself through it again so uh i decided not to to revisit it um we've just got this ability to to um against teams that are in such a bad run we always seem to just or or, or we have this ability to, to to fill them with confidence you know we don't seem to be able to to to, to get any sort of Result at the moment. We can't score. We, we you know, we, we, okay, we had 20 or so shots, but I mean, Forster made some good saves. There's no doubt about that. But we can't score. You know, like, I, I get what Mitch is saying about, you know, certain aspects of Inketia's game might be better than, or he might be doing more than we think. But first and foremost, for me, a striker's got to score and he's got the beast. The, it doesn't matter who it is for us. Um, we need goals and we need somebody to start scoring and we just can't do it. And um, Southampton, just like Brighton the week before on a bad run, been absolutely demolished by Chelsea and um, they come up against us and it's just, it's a fairly straightforward result for them. You know, they, 
I mean, we were chasing the game at the end and it was there was a lot of backwards and sideways passing and it was easy again and it was easy for Southampton to defend against. Um, you know, there was, I'm sure we'll get onto the chances, but, you know, there was the Smith Road chance where he sort of miskicked it and Forster made a save towards the end. But it was just a lot of getting to the edge of the box and Southampton just repelling us and it going back and then going to the edge of the box and we just didn't have any ideas and we just looked like a team that have, we've run out of steam with 10 games to go, you know, and, you know, it's not just down to certain injuries now. For me, it's our, the players that we were relying upon have played maybe too much football and, you know, your Sackers and your Smith-Rose and your Erdegaards, they're trying, don't get me wrong, they're putting in, they're putting a, 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 a shift in, but, the, you know, it also has something to do with being found out a little bit tactically. Teams are shutting us down in areas where we we weren't being shut down earlier in the season. But the, like like I was just saying, that the players that we were we were relying upon, and we have relied upon all season, are just they're just a, I think they're just run out of steam, you know. And um, it was a it was a big disappointment. Um, and I saw it, I don't know if you guys saw it earlier, um, there was a, a video knocking around on Twitter of um, Redmond being interviewed by, or being a supporter asked him, you know, what uh, do you feel good about beating Arsenal? And he, he just turned around and says, they're not very good, are they? And, and, and he's, he's right. You know, we're not very good at the moment, you know, probably not as bad as some people are making out, but we're just, for me, we've just ran out of steam with with nine or ten games to go and it it's difficult to see where we're going to get a result next you know because the games are tough aren't they so yeah disappointing we, we look very pedestrian very one-dimensional but uh mitch do you think this was a better performance than the previous two i thought it was a, a little bit more on offer uh more chances created but it wasn't exactly uh, the Arsenal that we want to see, is it? Yeah, I mean, all three of these performances are, are far from what we what were used to seeing this season, um, which, I mean, shows how far we've come. We've, we've been a very good team this season. Um, it's unfortunate this run of form is happening right now. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of these stats, like where we're dominating these, these games, like we've out-XG'd uh, our opponents for the last three matches, like – a lot of these are game state. We're, we're conceding early and um, there's some sort of block where we, other than the Wolves match where we came back from down one nil, we haven't been able to overcome that. So it's these like kind of like fluky against the run of play goals that are happening and then not being able to come back from that. So it's something in the team that needs to improve that we need to work on to get over that hump to be able to come back from going down early because uh, it's going to happen. That's inevitable. Uh, and we need to be a team that can perform like that wolf, uh, in the Wolves game because that was a Champions League performance. This was not. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've just got to figure ourselves out. We've got a tough two matches this week. If we can bounce back in these, we've still got a fighting chance for top four. Um, if not, like, fifth is nothing to scoff at. I think it's still a progression of the team. Uh, we've just got to make sure we finish there because if we keep letting it slide, then we might end up in eighth again. And no one wants that. Do you think it's time to roll the dice and maybe try someone new up front like Beerith? Do you think it's time to just throw caution to the wind? Because what we're doing currently, 
there's no surprise. We've got no game changers on the bench. Uh, we're we're not fluid enough, are we? In uh, from from back to front, uh, it's a cobbled up patchwork quilt of a team that's thre- threadbare, as you said, Jay. Is it time to just throw caution to the wind? No, I I like I said last week. I, I don't really want to see any like academy players uh, coming into the side in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anyone from our academy is ready to just be thrown in. Uh, all the academy players on our bench is just kind of making up numbers right now. They're not. There's not really an expectation that any of them will play. Uh, bar like Lacazette, Martinelli, and Inketia all getting COVID. Even then, I don't think. Starts. Uh, I, I still think that we move in some other direction. Um, and I mean, like I was saying, I think Eddie has has changed, like changed a lot, and and was a little bit more variable uh, than Lacazette's been. Obviously, we didn't get a goal out of it, but uh, I, I still think that he's a bit of a change of pace. And uh, I don't think that you necessarily have to make huge changes to get huge changes. Uh, I think that consistency can also get that as well. Uh, like getting Sambi and Nuno and, and Ketia more minutes, these players that haven't played on that much, they're going to grow more into the game. Upon rewatching the game, like Sambi looked very smooth on the ball. Like he looked much more assured than he did in the, in the past two matches. And, and that confidence is only going to keep growing, especially for Nuno, especially for Ketia as they get more minutes. And they kind of grow into this team like everyone else has throughout the entire season. Like Martin Odegaard didn't have a great start to this season, but he, he grew into becoming one of our best players uh, for, for three months. Uh, and now that we're hitting a little bit of this slow, slow streak, he's, he's hitting a little bit of a slump as well. But like, I think, I think that this team is going to like our, our average age only got younger uh, in this last match because we lost a 30 year old for a 22 year old. Um, Jaco was the only player like over the age of like, what, like 24, uh, in our lineup this weekend. Uh, that's crazy. Um, like we have to expect young teams to this young team to like falter. And so it's happening, uh, and they need to bounce back. Uh, they chose a tough time to need to bounce back when you're playing Chelsea midweek and then United on the weekend, but it's the situation we're in. If we're going to make top four, we're going to get results here. If not, well, we're growing. Jay, Mitch doesn't like that idea. Uh, I just thought I'd sling it out there because it is a suggestion that's uh, kind of people are looking, supporters are looking for someone to bridge that gap, uh, the Aubameyang gap, if you like. Mm. Would you consider Martinelli in the middle, which has been suggested time after time after time, or Pepe and kind of flip them both? What do you think, Jay? Um. You know, the supporter in me wants to see that because at the moment we've got nobody who's scoring up front. We've got the, you know, and we haven't had a, you know, whether it's Lacazette or Enketia, doesn't matter who's played there recently, they haven't got a goal between them. So your striker is there to score goals ultimately, you know, and I agree with everything Mitch was saying about, we are, you know, giving these players more minutes and, 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 and building and progressing and, 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 um, you know, these players maybe getting a few more chances, but at the end of the day, we're at the business end of the season. And we, I mean, we're very lucky that the, those in and around us are as bad as we are, you know, but 
um, it won't happen. It, it, it will just be in, it will be in Ketia. Um, if I was manager, yeah, you, 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 I'd probably try something a bit different. Just because three defeats in a row, surely doesn't that doesn't that indicate something's not not quite right? We haven't been scoring. Um, but I mean, Mikel, he, he sees Mikel and his coaching team see these players week in week out. You know, he, he hasn't fancied Pepe all season, has he? So he's not. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I just don't think he fancies him. He doesn't like him. You know, um, and as a striker, you know, I, I can't see that. Um, but Martinelli, um, maybe. Uh, but I think he is just going to persist with Inketia now. Um, I think it's just just as a supporter, you just maybe want to see Mikel go a little bit, um, go down a slightly different path, you know, because it seems sometimes the only, what that, the only time that ever seems to happen is if he's forced into a change rather than being proactive, you know, and, and looking at the team and um, maybe, maybe trying something a bit different for the sake of going to actually going out to win games. I don't know. It's, uh, it's a tough one. I went beer at you. I mean, he looks good, but he's not ready, is he? You know, he's not. He's not ready at all. Um, but Martinelli, maybe. Silent Dave called this a, a magnolia performance with a few splashes of colour. Can't help but agree with that. Um, it was more evidence of poor finishing. Um, someone said to me that uh, they was they were sick and tired of excuses, and that uh, Fraser Foster, Foster um, basically just because he had a good game. Arsenal should still be scoring past him, but he had an exceptional game. I reckon we could have had four or five if it wasn't for him. A 34-year-old who hasn't exactly hit the limelight, but he's been a really good, solid professional. Um, you can't take away his performance, can you, in this game? We, we always we always seem to come up against these performances, don't we? I don't know if I said at the time, back in the day, it used to be uh, Mike Taylor at Birmingham. He always used to have a stormer against us. And Jaskalainen at Bolton, he always used to have a stormer. You know, we just seem to come up against these performances. He played well, but better finishing and we score, you know, better, you know, slightly calmer um, mind frame in front of goal. And I think we we, 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 we do score, but yeah, he played well. He's a good keeper. He's, he's a big guy, isn't he? You know, he's... he's, he's Steady. We'll look at the minuses. Obviously, we're, we're going through that as we go, but uh, let's offer some crumbs of comfort. Could you see any crumbs of comfort, Mitch, for our podcast uh, family? Yeah, totally. I mean, like I said earlier, I, I think that uh, Nuno and, and Nketiah were both really bright. Um, I think uh, Nuno in particular playing uh, like far from bad. Uh, it gives us at least some tactical stability where we're not forcing ourselves to put Jaka at left back to hinder us in the midfield. Um, I, I think Sambi looked really smooth. I think he's growing into the role a lot more. Um, I, I, it was interesting. We still saw a bit of the 4-3-3 prior to the first sub. Uh, Jaka was still playing really high in that left half space. So it's interesting that we're, we're keeping that kind of shape. Um, and I think Sambi had a pretty good game. I, I don't, I don't think any of our players necessarily had terrible games is the thing. Oh, uh, I might like disagree the, with you there. The, the, the one, the goal happened, like the goal wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't like one player messed up terribly. It was, 
it was like a, a goal against the run of play. Uh, Southampton did not have that many opportunities, bar step pieces that they scored off of. And um, like, it, it's just more of an issue of finishing. Like, like Forrester had a great game, but Saka could have placed a shot better. Smith Rowe could have gotten a better hit on the ball. Uh, far from a good performance, but far, far from a terrible one from the team. So uh, there's some okay things that we can take from it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sambi, uh, he looked silky smooth. Uh, I, I noticed there was a, a bit of a backlash on uh, social media, where else, uh, and saying that he was absolutely rubbish and Arsenal should sell him. I, I think if you can't see what that guy is delivering, what he's capable of, and he's also got on his, uh, his kind of reference book, Vincent Company and Thierry Henry. So, you know, every those two guys in particular must see something that no one else can see, surely? Company, company called them the next Yaya. Uh, I mean, like, if you can't see, like, the clear talent that Sambi Lakanga has, then I don't know what player you're watching. Like, yeah, he's had some bad performances, he's had some bad plays, misplaced passes, whatever. He's a young player coming from Anderlecht to the Premier League. Yeah, obviously there's going to be, like, a period of – of like getting used to the, the flow of the game. It's a lot different. Um, and he, and he's growing into himself and he's, he's showing it like it's, it, it, we're growing past like glimpses of Sambi being really good into Sambi just being good. I don't know if he'll reach what Thomas has been uh, this season at the very least. Um, but he's far from a, a, from a bad replacement to come in to play the sixth role. Uh, I think especially when you have Xhaka um, with him in midfield and you don't kind of leave him alone. Like I, I think some of his worst performances have come when he's really isolated with Smith Rowe and Odegaard being the two eights in front of him. And it's like, yeah, obviously he's going to be a little bit more exposed because he's expected to do what like some of the best defensive midfielders in the world do, which is like hold down a midfield by yourself. Like he's not Fabinho yet. He's not Rodri. Like, but he, he's a really, really talented player. And if you just watch him, you will see how good he is. Yeah, I, I really rate him. I said in about another 18 months, we'll be having to hang on to him. What do you think, Jay? Yeah, I like him, yeah. Yeah, he's a good player. He's he's um, he's, he's um, pretty solid. It's just, like I say, I didn't see um, too much of the game. So I, I'll leave it to you guys for a, a bit more of a detailed discussion. Well, we won't be going down that avenue. Uh, I'll tell you that. The uh, goal by Benderak, 44 minutes, was another shit show in the defence. Sorry, Jay, we lost you for a bit there. Um, Yet again, uh, I I think what's happening is the lines are dissolving as the the opposition makes an attack. We kind of just all drop back. And it's not a solid line. They're not looking to close down space or, or, or get rid of the ball. And for me, it was a real, ter- another easy goal. Uh, so much room for him to strike the ball through. Um, there were suggestions that Ben White was a bit slow because he, he actually went off the pitch and then came on again. Uh, and that he could have been quicker coming on. But it was virtually a free shot. Um, Southampton were solid and organised. Obviously, Jay, you mentioned that uh, that game against Chelsea, 6-0. Um, when you look at that, we've got to be nervous going to Stamford Bridge, haven't we, uh, in this game with Chelsea? 
absolutely. <laughs> this it's a it's a tough game. Regardless, they're they're a they're a good side, right? They're a, um, they've got world class players. Um, they're coming off a uh, you know an exit from the Champions League, which is obviously going to hurt them. And um, yeah, it's a tough tough game. And we wanted you know ultimately we knew going into it we needed to get something out of the the previous games, and obviously we haven't now. So, uh, I mean, it's difficult to see. What, you know, as getting a result, right? I think we'll all agree at that, surely. But you take a draw, take anything, wouldn't you, other than a defeat? So, uh, but it, it is, um, we're going to have to be much, much better than we have been in the pre- previous three games, right? It's going to be uh, a hell of a tough gig, but this is what Arsenal do. They disappoint, don't they? Uh, at times when you think it's going to be easy, they make it incredibly hard. And when you've got the incredibly hard, impossible gig, um, it, it kind of turns into something else. That's what I'm kind of looking at and hoping for, because at the end of this weekend, we could have dropped 15 points. Mitch, optimism, please. Uh, You're our optimistic three, man. <laughs> we're still only three points behind Spurs and we have a game in hand. So if we do get a result against Chelsea, the, the gap closes a little bit and our road to the end of the season gets easier because we'll we'll have passed the Chelsea game. So Chelsea's a really good team. Uh they're they're having some injury crisis of their own. Uh they they looked very flimsy against Brentford when they were at a back four. Uh obviously they they were very, very good against Southampton. You can't ignore that game by any means. But like at the end of the day we we have a talented team um that can win. Like, we can win this game. This is not a game that we go into and we're like, there's no way. There's, like, zero chance we win this game because we won away at Stanford Bridge last season with the worst team. Uh, we matched them up with a, four, uh, a 3-4-3 and uh, made them make a mistake on that Smith-Rowe goal. Uh, if, I don't think we will go with the same uh, system tactically of trying to match them up and playing kind of conservative and trying to trying to force a mistake. Uh, but we, we, we have uh, the ability to play really well uh, and we have the ability to win this game. Uh, and if we do, it puts us in a really good position. I'm not, I don't know if I anticipate us to win this game, but we, it's far from a, a sure thing going into it. Uh, I mean, it's very easy to be pessimistic when you lose three straight matches. Um, I don't know how it hasn't broken me. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I'm like, yeah, we could beat Chelsea, the team that's in third, uh, <laughs> the team that just won 6-0 against the team we lost to. Uh, but, I mean, there's no easy matches in the Premier League uh, in, in any, any game, uh, including for Chelsea. So we can win this. Uh, I'm not exactly confident, but uh, if we do, it puts us in a really good spot. I, th- I think we need a bit of the old George Graham mentality. We need to get through that first half, keep it nice and tight and all the rest of it, and hope for something spectacular in the second half when they're, they're kind of getting frustrated and, and things like that. Um, for me, this game was a tale of two defenders because I thought that uh, Nuno Tavares uh, looked nearly back to his best. He was quite solid. He was energetic going forward. I liked his movement. I liked his directness. Uh, the other person I'm going to highlight is Ben White. I thought it wasn't a great performance by Ben White. I think for me personally, it was uh, quite a bland performance 
and not be fitting his price tag. Um, I'd still like to see him uh, cut loose uh, and start playing that ball out a lot more. But he seems to, maybe it's a, a nervous thing. We can't break out from the back because we're not very good at the back. Jay? Yeah, we can't break out. I mean, we again, we, we've lost our best midfielder. In a, in a, somebody that drops deep, collects the ball and can 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 basically take the ball forward like no one no one no other midfielder that we have um you know party's ability is we've, we've spoke about it you know and he, we are missing him absolutely no doubt um confidence is low throughout though isn't it you know that the, the, the confidence is low within the whole squad and it's bound to be when you've lost three on the bounce and not not scored, you know, it's, 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 but this is where Mikel's got to earn his pennies and they've got to, they've got to get on the training ground and, 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 and try something new. You know, I think we just need to, we, we need to hope that at Stamford Bridge, one goes in off um, and Ketty is arse and then we defend for, for the next, <laughs> for the next 89 minutes. And, and we manage to get a result because that, it looks like that's what it's going to take, isn't it? We, we don't, can't see anything else. We just need a lucky win or or a, a lucky goal and defend well, and then and then the confidence is restored. Um, you know, I'm not as optimistic as as Mitch, but you know, I think we've we've we me and Tom we we've said that before, haven't we? So um, I'm not holding out much hope to be honest. But it isn't impossible. Um, but we are we're going we're gonna to have to defend a hell of a lot better than we have been. You know, and, and Ben White's going to have to step up, and but he's got it in his locker. You know, like Mitch said, we 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 are a better team than than what we've been showing um, results way results wise anyway. Um, so you live and hope that we can deliver. Well, did you see Arteta's press conference? He he looked quite buoyant. Still, he said, you know, we've we've still got our belief and all our aims and our goals, and and we're just going to go with that. Well, to the best lucky. Of us. We're super, super lucky that Spurs got beat, and and United just scraped past Norwich. You know, we're, we're so we are very fortunate that the rest in and around us have been that they're, they're as bad as we are. You know, it, we could it could be a lot worse, couldn't it? We could be in a lot worse situation. You know? Yeah, there could be daylight between us, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah um, we could be much further down. Just got to ask you, lads. Uh, I'm going to ask this pertinent question. Cedric taking free kicks. Jake, I mean, he must be rattling him in in training. <laughs> he must be must be rattling him in. I I don't understand why we keep doing it. Um, because like I think he may have gotten like a couple assists off corners uh, doing it so far this season when he's played. But like, if I can remember correctly, all of our best free kicks and corners have all come from Smith Rowe or Saka or Odegaard. Um, like, pretty sure the only person to score from a direct free kick is Odegaard. So why the hell is everyone else taking them except for him? Uh, why is uh, Cedric taking a cross? And if there's if there's a free kick that's, like, in his area, far back on, like, the right side of the field, I kind of understand, like, putting a deep ball in. I think it makes sense for him to take it. But, like, the one that he was taking where it was, like, basically a short corner on the edge of the 18. Like, why is he taking it there? And then he puts it behind. Like, how do you not at least try to put something in play? It does not make sense that he keeps taking those those free, those free kicks and corners. 
I don't understand why he's doing it. He, he obviously is putting in crazy stuff during training because uh, we're not really seeing it during matches. Uh, Spanish Michael, you need to have a word with yourself and, and stop him doing it because I've written some notes here and it says um, he's not the type of player that can go forward like Tierney or uh, Tommy Asu. So he doesn't provide the same threat there. He hasn't got the creativity or eye or class of Odegaard um, I'm going to give him my turnip award for this match because I think he's he's rapidly being found out very, very quickly. I'd even go with a back three so that we don't even have to have him. That's how desperate it's becoming. Um, Jay, we had our chances in this game. We couldn't make them count. Uh, what was the best chance that you you came across out this this sorry hash? Yeah, it was Asaka's chance was was the was the you know the, the, the most obvious one um and and that obviously like like we touched on earlier the smith rose chance as well was was i think pretty straightforward too but the Saka chance we should have really he should have scored shouldn't he you know he's he's what what, what five yards out you know he should score but wasn't meant to be <laughs> just so frustrating mitch do you think the youngsters are getting tired uh Saka and smith rose Worn um, out. It, it wouldn't surprise me. They play a lot of minutes, um, and we don't really have a lot of depth at the moment. Uh, so yeah, it wouldn't shock me. But uh, I don't think we can necessarily chalk all of it up to that. I, I think it's probably a lot of different factors. Just you know, form. We're late in the year. Uh, probably is you know playing a lot of minutes, but this isn't the first time Saka's played a lot of minutes. I think he put, probably will have played a similar amount to what he did last season. Um, and that was definitely the clearest chance that we had. Like it was when it was no nail still, that was the chance to kind of absolutely control the tempo for the rest of the game. Uh, and it was disappointing. He didn't put that away. Cause I feel like he could have probably had a better finish. It was a good save by Forrester, but it was in an easier position than it could have been for uh Yeah, if he had just kept it low, away. if he had kept it yeah. low, it would have been in the back of that net. Um, right, three massive games ahead, Chelsea, United and West Ham. Um, if we don't get seven points out of, of that I, I, and Tottenham do what they're doing currently, apart from the Spursy bit here and there, Surely it's got to be over for us because this running doesn't get any easier. We've still got the North London derby to, to come. I don't want to believe, until it's mathematically impossible, I'm still with the calls. But these games, we've got to get something out of them. How many points do you see out of those three games? Um, i I got to be realistic. I don't think we'll get anything out of Chelsea. I think... We will, I think we'll 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 beat Man United, and I mean the West Ham game's tough. You know they're they're still in Europe, but I'd say it's at their place, isn't it? It's away against West Ham. Uh, I haven't got much confidence in the minute, so I'm probably going to go. Um, I'm going to go draw at West Ham, so four. Doesn't seem much. It's not enough. It's, it's not enough, is it? But I can't that's going to put us on the back foot, isn't it? That's going to really uh, press us, Mitch. What, what do you see? Uh, I'll go with six, where we we beat United and West Ham and lose Chelsea. Yeah, that would that'll uh, put us in good uh, good nick. That, that we'd be far from a bad place in that, especially. 
I think United's really, really big. Like if we if we win against United and West Ham, it puts us in a really, really good spot to like get close to guaranteeing fifth, uh, which is like the lowest we should finish. Um, I, I I mean I predicted preseason uh, for us to finish sixth. So like anything above that is uh, overachievement in my eyes. If we finish sixth at this point, I'd be very disappointed. Like outside of top four would be like disappointing, but not like a failure outside of the top five. And like, if we didn't make Europa League, that would be kind of on the failure end. Uh, but I don't want to think that. I don't want to get to that point. <laughs> Do you think there's been too much emphasis placed on this Champions League qualification, which at the beginning of the season wasn't even on the table? We weren't even going to get close. We had three defeats on the bounce and then, and then we get this good run. And then suddenly everyone's saying that the season's finished if we don't get Champions League. Uh, I think there's too much emphasis in the fact that some people are saying that the season's finished if we don't get it. I, I think there's too much emphasis to people saying that uh, Arteta should get sacked if we don't get it. Um, like, there's, there's, like, clearly a plan with, with, this, with this team. Uh, and it's a, it's a long-term plan. And I don't think Champions League next season was part of that plan. I think it it would be an overachievement if we got Champions League for next season. Um, I think we're still very much on track with this project. If we qualify for the Europa League, we will have made a clear progress in the league and then we can go and make some signings and then we're uh, got more of, uh, of our full team um, and then can can challenge for fourth or third uh, or higher next season. Um, and I, I think I, I don't think anyone that says Arteta should be fired. Anyone that says Arteta should be fired if we don't make Champions League is just has unreasonable expectations. Uh, it's it's very difficult to do that. Like what Wenger did for such a long time to be able to like consistently qualify for the Champions League was very difficult in that era of the Premier League. Um, and now it's getting even tougher with more and more teams uh, being really really good. Um, like teams like West Ham have been really formidable last couple of years in, in one, maybe two years, we're going to be talking about a big seven with Newcastle being part of it. Um, they're making very intelligent, they're not doing the, do all the dumbass transfers that most teams, when they get money do, like they're making really intelligent signings and it's going to be sooner rather than later that we're talking about them in the same conversation of competing with them for champions league spots. Um, and so it's getting harder and harder to achieve this. If we achieve it, it's a great achievement. Uh, if we don't, again, it's not a failure. Uh, if we're lower than fifth, we have a different conversation. But the people that are like, if Arteta doesn't finish fourth, um, he's done. I'm like, that's not how I don't I don't think that's how anyone in the higher ups of Arsenal are thinking. Well, the social media didn't disappoint again this this week. Um, Jay, you pointed out to me about Alexandra Lacazette um, when went public. Uh, a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? Really, um, I'm I'm in discussion with a lot of clubs. I'm open. I want to play European football. I never cut contact with Leon since I left. I try to go back to the club once or twice a year. Leon, no, I'm free. We'll see. It's it's the timing. Your your club is going through a bad spell. And you're the club captain by default, I guess. But then you come out and do this. What did you make of it? Um, 
At least he scored one goal there. It was an own goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't the best, but to be honest, we need to. I don't know. It didn't bother me as much as maybe some other people because he's just not going to be in next season. So I'm only concerned about the players that are going to be in next season, and uh, and that's why I had a real issue with with Inketia being included earlier in the season. He's not going to be here next season. Um, I'm not. Didn't bother me at all. Um, just, I just wanted to add just to, to, to what Mitch said about the Champions League. Um, I think the, the, the natural disappointment is if we miss out, it's because the position we were in was so good, wasn't it? At, one, at, at, some, at one point, it wasn't too long ago, we were in a really strong position and nobody expected it to be in the Champions League uh, next season. Uh, well, at the start of the season, nobody really expected us to be as where we are. And, and I think it's just a position where we were and where we got ourselves into. Um, that's where the disappointment comes from. But if we if we miss out, look, it's probably going to be to Spurs and they're not great, are they? So that's the that's the it's the double double kicker, isn't it? It's the, it's the like we should be. The, there's not much between the two teams. Neither of us are great. Um you know, United look a shambles. And if we're going to miss out, it's probably going to be to them, isn't it? To, to, to Spurs. So that's the double kick in the bollocks. But um, no, yeah, yeah I, I, I know I'm coming across very sort of negative, but it's difficult to find the positivity at the moment. For me anyway, you know, we're, we we have been good this season and, I, and I'm not, I haven't forgotten any of that. Um, it's just this, this current rut we're in at the moment. Like I said, for me, it's just going to take just something lucky to happen or fortunate to happen. Um, and you never know, you know, the Chelsea game, it might happen, but uh, I wasn't asked about what Lacazette said, because to be honest, he, he hasn't been a big player for us recently, has he? He hasn't been putting it in. We haven't relied upon him. Um, if you actually read, read the full article, you know, the Champions League comment he made, it wasn't as bad as it was being made out to, to, to seem. He, he was basically saying, you just want to play Champions League, like, like everybody does. You know, we all want the club to play Champions League, and I'm sure he does. Um, he's been a he's been a good servant to us, and he, he did a good job for us earlier in the season. And when when he leaves, I wish him all the best. But I, it, that interview, it wasn't as bad as it was being made out. And the all the comments, or a lot of the comments, were by people that hadn't actually read it. And go back, go and read the interview, and then then comment because it was it wasn't anywhere near as. You know, he certainly didn't slag off the club. He didn't slag off the manager. He didn't slag off any of the players. He just said he wanted to play Champions League, which is fair enough. Uh, here's one, Guna Talk on uh, Twitter. If you think, because there was a, a kind of, I don't know, it's really weird. Suddenly, Unai Emery got mentioned uh, with, you know, we got rid of him too quickly and all that sort of thing. Uh, Guna Talk says, if you think sacking Unai Emery was a mistake, because um, of one good result against Bayern, you need a reality check. When we sacked him, we were behind Sheffield United and Burnley in the table. This season, he has Villarreal in seventh. Um, uh, last season, they were seventh. And the season before that, he was fifth. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think Before I think he arrived, they were, were higher. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think Unai Emery is one of the best knockout players uh, tournament uh, managers in the world. I think if he managed a national team, uh, he would be absolutely incredible. Um, however, I, 
I just don't like this like revision with him and like with all of our former players that that, like there's some sort of agenda for there's always this revision there's always this Gwendozi did nothing wrong and it's like that's not true oh Unai Emery was so good no he wasn't did you watch Arsenal during Unai Emery um uh, like Aubameyang was unfair like no none of this is true um, and also people just don't realize that like, just because a player is succeeding in an environment does not mean that they should have succeeded elsewhere because Aubameyang is scoring for Barcelona doesn't mean that he was going to score for Arsenal in the back half of the season, uh, because Gunduzi is playing well for Marseille in league one doesn't mean it was a bad idea for Arteta get, to get rid of him. Because Unai Emery beat Bayern in the Champions League and won the Europa Leagues last season doesn't mean it was a bad idea for Arsenal to get rid of him. Uh, all of these things, I think, were really good decisions by Arsenal. Uh, and yet, whenever we see a player that used to play for us be successful somewhere else, a part of our fan base just melts down as this like mechanism of, of, of slandering our, like, their own club. Like, what, what are you getting out of this? What is the point? to be like, well, Aubameyang's actually good now. And it's like, well, no, he's doing the same thing that he was doing with us. It's just under a different context. He's getting more chances. He's still not a great uh, striker of the ball, and he's still missing chances. He's just getting a lot more in a probably easier league. Um, and, yeah, so it looks a lot better on paper. Um, Ginduzi is is playing in a, in a different league. He's fallen out with, like, three different managers he's had in his career. Arteta is not an isolated example of that. Same with the bombing. He had issues with, with former, uh, with former managers um, at Dortmund. And like, th- there's, there's just so much of this just agenda that just loves to come out when we start losing. Um, and it just does not make sense. <laughs> well, I've got a really um, good a one really, here for all the really management offers. <laughs> a really great way to find out which accounts you should mute on twitter uh and so uh like i love when uh some some guy start makes like a huge thread and it's like this is every stackable offense arteta's done and then tags a bunch of accounts that help them at the end i'm like great you just gave me a great list of accounts that i can just mute forever and i never have to hear from or see again um thank you guy you know in relation just just one more thing about emery you know like i was i was happy for him I was pleased for him that he got that result. And it, you want, you know. Can the, we be happy top, for like, former people? Exactly. That would be great. Like, <laughs> he, he, he was just, it was always going to be difficult for anybody. The, the, the next, the successor to, um, to, to, to Arsene, wasn't it? It was always going to be tough. He took the job on. He's not a bad guy. And he was ridiculed for the way he spoke. But he's a, he's a good coach. He's a very successful coach. And when he got that result, against Bayern, I was genuinely happy for him. And I think most people that got that have got their head screwed on was actually applauding him and quietly happy and pleased that he got that result. So fair play. I hope, he, you know, I can't see him getting any further, but to beat that Bayern team with that Villarreal team, that is a big result, you know, over those funnily two. Enough, funnily enough, the only way that he gets into a European competition next season is by winning the Champions League. It's the yeah. only way Villarreal is playing European uh, ball next season like that's crazy that you you guys are using that to, to slander to Arteta yeah. that makes a lot of sense and then yeah. also just like support former players like there's nothing unlikable about 
know, Callum Chambers or Aubameyang or Emmy Martinez or Unai Emery of them succeeding elsewhere. Um, okay. Like there, there, there's easily players that you can have like ill content for after they leave. Like I am not a huge Mesut Ozil fan because how he left kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Um, but he was a great player when he played for Arsenal. Um, but like, it does not make sense of like why people just continually do this to just like, because players are going to leave a club at just constantly. Players will constantly come and leave Arsenal. And if you're following every single one that leaves just to like make up something uh, that suits your thing, like, like Saliba constantly gets thrown into this. And it's just like, where are you getting this from? Like what, what's convincing you of this like fake, like with the, all the Lacazette stuff this week, like people were saying that he and Arteta have fallen out. It's like, what evidence are you using? Mm-hmm. What, what's your source? Like, do, you, do people need sources to say anything anymore? Or are you just like in your little fantasy land? Like, it's just speculation, oh, he had, isn't it? When you're on yeah, the back, oh, right, he had COVID and then maybe he was seen at a restaurant according to this Twitter account that doesn't have a profile picture. Mm-hmm. So uh, that definitely means that Arteta uh, ousted two captains in one season. And, you know, maybe something did happen. Who knows? None of us know. If you're speculating with no information, then you're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. And it's probably John. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to him in a minute. Um, got one from Arnie Arneson uh, at Arsenal Fans Forum, just for all these managerial hoppers, the ones that want to get this person in, that person in. Uh, it just says that Klopp has been a manager for 19 years has been relegated. His first trophy came after 10 years. I haven't factually looked this up. I couldn't be bothered. Uh, Conte has been manager for 17 years. His first trophy came after five. Tuchel was a manager for 16 years. His first trophy came after eight. So kind of like be careful where you're jumping. And it's it's an object lesson in that these people need time to make the foundation of success. That's what this guy is trying to say. Um, Pep kind of throws it out the window a bit has been manager for 15 years and his first trophy came in his first year and Arteta manager for two years first trophy came in seven months so exactly you know uh, now we get to John the direct parallel okay so this is the official uh, it's an Arsenal thing podcast stance Arteta is Pep no one else has anything to say cool we're going to (laughs) proceed with that how do you feel about that John (laughs) well now then, pin back your ears for this because he's having a proper go. Uh, last week, if you didn't see us or hear us, uh, we had John Kay uh, basically saying that we should wake up and smell the coffee, something along those lines. He's back. He yes. says, it sounds like you Muppets like mediocrity yes. and are happy to back this overhyped apprentice until he makes us mid-table. Uh, it's, it's sad that you three have no ambition for the club. John. <laughs> Jay, pick up on that one. Well, look, I think we will all agree. If we, if it goes cat- like catastrophically wrong this season in the remaining games and we drop out of Europe altogether, which is still a possibility, then I think there is a conversation to be had about you know, I think things will have to change. I'm not saying the manager has to change, but I think, I don't, I don't know. I think there are maybe a few conversations that will need to be had because I think to miss out on Europe altogether after the investment that 
that the Cronkies have put in um, would be, you know, we haven't progressed and that's all we want to see as supporters, right? You just want to see progression. You want to see improvement and you want, you want to see, um, you don't want to be stagnant. Um, and if that is the case, worst case scenario, then, then, I'm not, I don't know if I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't want to say you get rid of the manager because I know he's not going to go. I know he's not going to get sacked. I know he's not going to get booted out. And I know he's going to be the manager next season regardless. However, I understand people, I understand people's frustration. I, I'm frustrated. I'm sure we, we're all frustrated at losing football matches. We're all frustrated at, at not being able to beat teams like Southampton with, with all due respect to them, to beat your Brightons and to beat your Crystal Palaces because of the investment and also because of the stature of the club that we are, because we're Arsenal football club, you know, I'm not saying we are, um, we have, we, 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 we should just expect success. We have to work for it. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, if, if we come up short at the end of the season, I, 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 I it's tough. It's tough to back the manager. If we don't, if we don't get Europe at all. Now for me, if we finish Sixth. I also, I think I predicted sixth. I'd take sixth now, to be perfectly honest, because as I'd see uh, we're in a we're in a really difficult position. If we finish sixth, we're in the Europa League, and for me, just for me personally, that is improvement because the season before we were eighth and we didn't get anything. We didn't get any European football. Now, if we get into the Champions League, it's the total opposite end of the spectrum. Like there can't be any more of this Arteta out because he will be the one that's at the uh, he's he's the manager. You know, it's it, it will be down to him as well as the players that, that 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 we've ended up in the Champions League and in the top four. So they're the three um, they're the three outcomes for me. That um, look, I, I I really don't know how anybody any Arsenal supporter at the moment can be that final about the manager because we've seen we've been decent this season we've been not deep we've been not very good this season we've gone out of the cups early that's unlike us we you know we all love an FA Cup run we, we've it's 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 been good to us as supporters the FA Cup in recent years it was crap going out to Forest in the third round we should have Forest are a decent team don't get me wrong but we're Arsenal Football Club and we're better than that League Cup we did okay in that but we went out to Liverpool, end up winning, you know, no dis disgrace in, in going out to Liverpool. However, the FA Cup was a big disappointment. We're in a, it's, you know, let's just wait and see where we are at the end of the season before we make any of these comments. Because some of the, you know, the social, these kind of, these kind of views, get rid of the manager, get rid of the manager. Who, who comes in? You know, who, who do you get? who's because then we have to start again and we have to clear out the players that that manager doesn't want. And then, and then you have to, you know, you sell, you sell Ben White or you sell Gabriel and, 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 and it's just, you're starting again. You know, we have to, we've got to see it through, you know, but I do understand the frustration of, of supporters because we're all frustrated, aren't we? You know, um, but let's just wait and see. We're not out of it with, you know, Spurs, are, Spurs are crap, you know, they're, they're crap. We're crap at the moment. United are crap, but let's see who's the slightly better version of crap. 
<laughs> I don't think that John can actually say that we've got no ambition for the club. I mean, myself, I, I was I was brought up as a kid supporting Arsenal. I go back to 1970. So, uh, and I've had that long stretch where there was no success. Had to suffer all that and stuck with them through thick and thin. And this is no different. This is no different for me. I, I want them to win. I want them to win everything. Everything that's going, even if it was in tiddlywinks, but, you know, let's get some perspective. We've cleared out. We've had to knuckle down and start again. There's been years of stagnation and waste and poor recruitment, bad spending, uh, and then the, the, no direction. We've had all that. So, John, don't start preaching to us about having no ambition because we've been there. We've and suffered just, it. And if you're an Arsenal fan that's been there as well, then you've suffered it with us. But just to, add to, what you're, do that. Just to add to what you're saying, whilst all that's going on, those in and around us have got better. They've got their recruitment have got better. Your Leicesters have got better. Your West Ham's have got better. Your Wolves have got better. And we've been dropping and, and we've took our eye off the ball a little bit in certain areas. And they have they have got much better quickly. And, and we've we've suffered now. We've had to we've had to catch up. You could argue that a club the size of us, we shouldn't, you know, those mistakes shouldn't be made, but they have, you know. And and I mean, let's just wait and see until we're in the final game of the season, the final whistle. Let's see where we end up, and then then the decisions can be made, right? Yeah, I mean, like I, th I think there's multiple reasons. Like I, I'm someone who's going to be backing the manager, no matter who it is. Uh, it could be the club could bring in Jose Mourinho. And as much as I hate Jose Mourinho, I would still back him. Um, it would pain me. I would, I would yeah. do it through gritted teeth, but I wouldn't be whining like a little gremlin after every single loss. Um, and and I, I think, I think you, you're blind if you don't see just a clear, uh, our favorite word, progress uh, with the club. Uh, I, I think it's been very apparent, especially with people being reminiscent over the last couple of weeks about the Unai Emery era um, of like the state that not only results were in, but just like the culture. I mean, there was that Ornstein report on Monday about how uh, about how there was outside uh, analysts brought in to revamp the Arsenal way. I think a lot of people read those headlines and thought it was like happening now. And it's like that was clearly a thing that's been happening for a long time. Uh, to try to get the club closer to the history and uh, and kind of revamp the entire culture, which I think uh, we've done a really good job of. I think you can see it from not only performances, but just how uh, players act uh, about the club, how the fans are at matches. Like you don't get any of this like weirdness, this little like, like I love, I started calling Arteta outers gremlins before the pod, and now I'm kind of into doing it. We don't see these like little gremlins at games where like we lose, and like the away side, the, the away fans are still there, like cheering on the team. Like no, like the the, the fans and uh, players are very connected right now, uh, especially the ones that are going to matches. And um, like there, there's 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 a clear progress has been made. We've seen that with the results, and we are going to continue to see it with the results. Um, I, I do not think we will finish outside of Europe this season. Uh, that is my prediction. Uh, I don't like making predictions, but there's a prediction for you. We won't finish outside Europe this season. Uh, and I'm uh, speaking Europa League or Champions League, I Conference League, uh, whatever that is. Um, and then also, last thing, uh, there's 
like very little that like helps a team in like the short run of like sacking a manager. Uh, fans are very fickle. Uh, owners can be very fickle. Players can be very fickle. And the easiest thing to change uh, when you feel like you need change, when things are going right, easiest thing to do is a manager. Like the manager is the easiest thing to just cut off and just like be like, well, we're changing. But we're seeing that with with Burnley, uh, who fired Sean Dyche last week. Very surprising move from Burnley, who's uh, firing one of uh, one of the best managers in the Premier League uh, in Sean Dyche. Uh, someone that's kept them in the league continually, despite being the smallest budget team. Their record transfer is 15 million pounds. That is I don't think there's a single player on Arsenal's uh, like our only player that started last match that we bought for less than that is Nuno Tavares. Like that's crazy. Um, and he's one of the best managers in, in, in the world, but uh, or sorry, in, in the league and they fired him uh, because they're just looking for something different. They're like, Oh, we keep losing something's going wrong. Let's just change something. And managers are the easiest thing to change, uh, but have probably the littlest impact on just short-term results because there's so much change that has to be done. Like Jay said, where if we, let's say we, we fire a Ted at the end of the year, we bring in someone else, there's all of a sudden we have to start this progress all over again. Um, we, we have to like get rid of all these players to suit different styles and stuff like that. And it, it just, it puts a halt to all the progress that we've had since our Ted took over um, of which that I think is going to be really successful in the long run. I, I think that I, I can confidently say that I think we will be firmly in the Champions League spaces uh, next season, uh, maybe further up, um, and and can potentially make a long run in the Europa League. We, we made a good run in the Europa League last season with a worse team. So I imagine that we we beef up our, our, our squad a little bit in the summer. Uh, we would actually, I think, feel like the Europa League would be a pretty good place for us if we're being realistic. I, I, I know it's painful because we want to be in the Champions League. It's been so long since we've been in the Champions League. But, like, we've talked about these youth players. I mean, uh, Europa League group matches are a great place to give players their debut. Um, we saw that with Saka. We saw that with Smith-Rowe. Um, and we can easily see it with, uh, with, with all of these, these young guys that are coming through Hale End. Um, it, with such a young squad, it might not be the worst place for us to be. Uh, and it, it really doesn't make sense to look at all of this through such a little gremlin lens, John. Um, maybe don't be a gremlin. That's my suggestion. I think John's got to appreciate that other people have got other ideas, other perspectives, uh, and they look at it slightly differently. John looks at it from whatever view John looks at it, and that's cool. That's not a problem. But don't disrespect other people when they've got their opinions and they're being objective rather than uh, trying to blow the whole project up and out of the water. It's, it's going to be this season what it's going to be, and then we'll move on from there. Anyway, Sorry, done enough, I John. didn't realize you'd be playing the high road. I wouldn't have called him a gremlin if you were playing the high road. I decided to, to go for the gut shot and call him a sad and call him a gremlin. So, uh, God knows there. what we'll put on there next week on that poster. Something else entirely different. Rhymes with banker, probably. Um, anyway, we've got three bits left. Uh, we're going to talk about the coefficient ranking by UEFA. Uh, Jay, did you, I sent you the thing. Did, what do you make of it? Is it another attempt to get the Super League uh, going again in a different form? Uh, yeah, Wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah, it looks like that, doesn't it? 
Um, I read it. I read about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, doesn't look good. They did. They just. I mean, they should just leave the Champions League the way it is, shouldn't they? Um, group stages. What is it next season? It's going to be one league, isn't it? One huge league table rather than group yeah, stages. I think it's 23-24 when that's happening. That's what like the coefficient thing, which is just not yeah. great. No, no, just leave it as it is. But yeah, they'll ultimately the clubs, the big clubs, will get what they want eventually. Um, and you just hope that we're part of it. Ultimately, I know it's not great, but uh, yeah, it's just well, it's quite just it's trying to get in there. This ten-year <laughs> thing, isn't it? Where, where did they pluck that from? We're going to get everyone who's been successful for ten years. Yeah, it's just UEFA. You know, yeah, I mean, like it's just another example of uh, just cash is king like yeah. it, money talks um even like the the only way that change i'm singing that song happens, in my head now change the only way change actually happens is is via money like yeah. like abramovich was never going to sell chelsea unless there was like financial sanctions that happened um in american football the washington football team was never going to change their name from something racist unless sponsors started stepping stepping away because it was bad look for them like money talks with everything uh and everything yeah just finish sentence there uh and so if like man united's being like oh we're we're in for a rough couple years we're not even getting that champions league money well i mean if our coefficient did a little heavy lifting for us and we could finish sixth and still make the champions league that'd be great yeah i mean like it, it sucks, but like it's the direction it's going. Yeah. I don't like it at all. Um, I I would frankly I I think I saw like something for like a proposal of like a new super league, and like honestly, wasn't bad. Like you take away like the 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 part about the super league where like it was just set teams, and it was like not a terrible proposal. Um, to like have like just the best and have it having it be like a higher standard kind of thing. Uh, with more money in it for the teams, whatever. Um, but having teams make a tournament based on merit uh, without the merit to make it mm. ruins the uh, like sanctity of of your tournament. If like it's no longer the Champions League, it's uh, I don't know. Like I don't have something witty. Damn, sorry. I wish I had a, I wish I had a good pun or something, but I don't. It just makes it a lot worse. Um, Guys, it's a shame to see that. We've got to push push past this one because we've got still I've got heaps of paper here and we're trying to condense that down. Um we're gonna have a two hour pod tonight. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh but all good stuff. So can't grumble <laughs> at that. Um the Jacker film, did you see it? What did you make of it? Uh really great. I, I think I don't think I don't think he's a player we've seen enough uh like talking about like everything i think probably the first time that we've seen him talk about that whole incident a couple of years ago with against palace when he got stubbed off um and you know it's just a really just like honest look from him uh about that time and like about relationships with fans and players and how um i think we have a tendency as fans to kind of forget that uh, players are human beings um when when you uh, start going after someone's family for a bad performance or for someone playing the way that they've always played of just a very passionate player. Uh, red cards are going to happen, apparently, according to him. Um, and like, yeah, okay, this is 
This is part of Granite Jacket. This is something you're going to get. Uh, and it's really inhuman to go after someone's wife and child, no matter how you feel about that. Like, I'm not a fan of Cristiano Ronaldo, but what happened to him and his newborn child is awful and heartbreaking. Um, and anyone that uh, will take someone doing, playing a game, playing a children's game for money, uh, and then attack their uh, family online uh, is a gremlin. They're a gremlin. They're a gremlin. Um, well, gremlins. <laughs> we're we're just got a grouping of of gremlins, and John's the leader. Um, and uh, so, you know, it, it's it was a really really good um, honest reflection from him of of just the whole time, and he really want. It seems like he really wants to connect with the fans. It also kind of left the door open of a good chance that he stays around next season, which I would be over the moon about if he stayed. I think it would uh, create a lot of stability, especially if we bring in more midfielders and we're not necessarily forced to have him play every week. I know you wouldn't be the hugest fan of him staying another year, Jay, but um, I, I, there's a reason that Granit Jaka has played under three managers and been virtually undroppable under all three. And it's because yeah. he's a dependable player. Yeah, um, other than his, Granite Jaka dumbass moments, uh, TM. Um, he he's a very dependable player, and having him around, especially with such a young team, like he was by far the oldest player on the pitch uh, this weekend. Uh, I think I think would be very very beneficial. Uh, he's he's a real leadership presence without wearing the captain's armband, and uh, I think the players respect him. Obviously, the manager respe- respects him, uh, and I think it's about time that the fans start to too. I think we've had our problems with him, Jay, haven't we, for the, the dumbass movements, as Mitch says. Um, but here's, here's the strange thing. Wenger, Emery, Lundberg, Arteta, and also Mourinho. <laughs> Mourinho rates him highly as well, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there must be something we just don't get. But is it a fact that Arsenal's midfield has been blessed, doesn't it, over the years? And then you get Granite Xhaka coming as like a round peg in a square hole. He doesn't seem to fit. He doesn't fit with the creativity that we're after. And he doesn't really fit with the defensive person that we we kind of want. We want that Vieira type. Is he a victim of that, that he just didn't fit? And he was after all these really top quality uh, midfielders, Jay? Well, well, I mean, Mitch covered it perfectly. I don't disagree with anything Mitch said then about Shaka. Not, not one, but he is reliable. Um, I just think we could do better. That's all. I, I, he's uh, this season. I think we've seen a lot less of that, like petulant side to him. I think he's he's dare I say he's he's grown up a bit and he's led led the team and he's he's realised that he's the se- like the senior man because you know we all wanted Thomas Party to be that, but maybe you know in and around the training ground, Party isn't that influential midfielder as in. From a uh, you know from a footballing sense he is, but maybe in the in the changing room and on the training ground, Thomas Partey's a little bit quieter. And Shaka quickly worked out that he's the the louder voice and he's he's leading the you know he's leading the the team from that point of view. So look, I don't disagree with anything. Mitch Mitch nailed it perfectly. I mean the him getting attacked, you know his family getting attacked and whatever that that's just I mean come on like what. Who are these people? You know, I mean, for a long time, especially Twitter, you know, large amounts of people have been calling for better 
sort of authentication, you know, you know, you not being able to create faceless accounts so you can just attack these people, get blocked and then create another one. I know that's just, I suppose that's a story for another day, but um, until that happens, it's always, it's, it's always going to happen, unfortunately. And it, it's not right. We all, we all agree on that. It's just, but um, if he stayed great, I can't see it. Um, but if he does, then great. Because, because this, this season he has, um, you know, he, he, he's, he's been a, he's been a lot more reliable and a lot more dependable. And um, look, we haven't needed him. And, and when, when he's not in the, when he's not in the midfield, we do notice it. And look, and I'm not his biggest fan, but you do notice when he's not playing or when he's not in there or when, or when we, when he's been moved out to, to the left, left side of defense. So um, I thought, I thought it was a good interview. He's, he's an honest guy. Um, I'm just never going to be a huge fan of his. That's all just that me personally, but you can't, you can't deny what, you know, the improvement that, that we've seen in him this season. Absolutely. No doubt about that. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Because we're all having a go about his cards when he gets them, but he's he's only got them on five occasions. Martin Keown had six. Patrick Vieira had eight. Yeah, we didn't we didn't kind of turn against them, did we? Vieira did some terrible things, didn't he? Throat grabbing and pushing and shoving and all that sort of thing. Uh, we know that Jack uh, is kind of a, a hothead, but it's 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 weird the way we perceive him differently and it's kind of interesting why that is uh, I'm with you Jay I don't see the type of player that I want to see in an Arsenal shirt even though he's changed roles he's in a more advanced position that suits him and let's remember Thomas Partey came to the club uh, wanting to play with Granite Xhaka Mitch your point yeah I, I think that time has a big thing to do with it I think um, for one there was no uh, there wasn't wasn't as big of a social media presence uh, when Vieira and Keown are getting sent off, so you don't hear about it as much on a bigger scale. Uh, also, those players were part of the Invincibles. Like they, like Vieira got sent off during the Invincible season uh, against Man United. Uh, Twitter would have blown its shit up if that happened. <laughs> it, like during if that was a thing, D- like during that run. Like people were like, Vanger's so we can go unbeaten, and then Vieira's just throwing it away. What is he doing? Um, and it's the same, like I think the the just voice is, is louder. I'm sure there was many people in their living rooms during that game. It's like, what the hell's Vieira doing? What an idiot. Um, and like, and then also just like during the good times, like those are like when we're winning titles and stuff like that. And so people naturally, like when we're kind of losing a little bit more, they 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 have less of a patience with someone who uh, tends to get sent off a little bit. And because of that has a little bit of a reputation with the refs. Um, and, you know, I think, I think trying to put Jaka and comparing him to Vieira is kind of a round peg in a square hole. I don't think that, I think it's just, uh, we as Arsenal fans want uh, players to be the next blank. We, we want Martinelli to be the next Henri. We want uh, Thomas Party or Granite Jaka to be the next uh, Vieira. And that's, I think we need to. I think we need to let our players be, be Granite Jaka, be Thomas Party, be Gabriel Martinelli, um, rather than. I think it's easy to kind of fit these players into molds and profiles. Um, I think we can do better though than Shaka. 
we must agree yeah, on. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great I'm call. A, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate that we should uh, upgrade on him over the, in the summer. I, I don't think he should be starting game in and game out. But if we can keep him around next season, especially yeah. with more matches, huge mm-hmm. fan of that because of the presence that he brings. Um, if we can bring someone who's a little bit more athletic on the ball and can uh, do a lot more in that in that more advanced position, but also still have a little bit of defensive stability, I think that would yeah. be absolutely key. But I also am a big fan of keeping him around another season if he is open to that idea. Um, the interesting thing, again, is Xhaka regularly tops the stats for progressive passing, for his consistency mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, even though... I've got to be honest, I don't always see it. I don't always see what everyone says. And stats only tell uh, a certain percentage of the story. My point is that when you've got someone like Santi Cazorla and everyone loves, it's a hard act to follow when you, you're a midfielder and you're kind of in, in the mix of, of Joe Bloggs and all these other people. You know, you haven't got your Jack Wilshers anymore. You haven't got your Santis. And we just haven't really clicked with Granite Xhaka. Uh, chaps, I think we'll have to close that one down. Uh, transfer rumours in six words or less. Uh, we're nearly done. Well done. Sticking with it. Uh, Eden Zagrova, 23, uh, from Lille. Anyone know of him? Yeah, would you? What do you think of that, Jake? What would you do in six words or less? He looks good on YouTube. <laughs> That's all I know. He looks good. Like... He, he does look a good player, but like I say, I haven't seen enough of him, but, he, you know, he looks decent. Well, it's described as the Messi of the Balkans, uh, right and a left winger, tricky footwork, amazing close control. I saw that much on YouTube. Uh, plenty of pace. Uh, said to be around 11 million, although transfermarket.co.uk have him down at 3.6. Mitch, what's your six words or less? Uh, I'd rather have a different... Leal player. I'm going to cheat. We've overrigged it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I have any player from Leal, I want Jonathan David. Um, I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Really good striker. Um, and then if I want a winger, I'm going to be a homer and say I want Tim Weah. Uh, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen too much of him outside of just like comps that I've seen on, on Twitter and on YouTube. Uh, seems like a very talented player. Uh, I saw a tweet today calling him a wonder kid and he's like 22. And it's like, that seems a little old to be calling him a wonder kid, but seems like a very good player. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, if for, for that cheap, I wouldn't, I'd be far from against that kind of signing. Uh, it, it wouldn't be like signing a, a certain player from Lille who is really good on the ball and a really good dribbler and then spending 70 million for him. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking about there. I, don't, I have no player in my mind that I'm talking about. But Yeah, you're just making this stuff up now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, no, this is like talking. a hypothetical world where Arsenal would spend $75 million on a on a winger from Lille. We've never my six that. words or less was where does he fit? Another winger? Do we need, uh, need a winger? Yeah, I think so. I think we need to – I think uh, aforementioned Lille winger leaves in the summer. Uh, and we need to bring in cover for Saka. We were talking about him being probably tired earlier in, uh, from playing as many games. Uh, there's going to be even more games with Europe next season. Uh, I think we need to bring in someone who can play comfortably on both sides uh, and and can and can cover. I think the the strongest link we've seen is Gakpo from PSV. Um, I've seen multiple sources linking us to him. Uh, seems like a very talented player and a potential player who can play up top. 
uh, which if we're signing two strikers in the summer, which is kind of what it's looking towards uh, with both of the strikers on our current lineup leaving, uh, I would love a second player that can play other positions. Uh, obviously the high end of that is like Joe Felix, who can kind of play as second striker or play on the wing. Uh, but Cody Gakbo seems like a player that has a lot of the tools to play striker, uh, but will be primarily used as a winger. Right, what about this one? Hoffenheim's Florian Grilich, uh, 26, free transfer, attacking mid, defensive mid, and a fullback on the left or the right. Jay, what do you make of that one? Seems like an Arsenal signing. You know, it seems like a yeah, very versatile. Um, and if he is a free, if he's on a free, then yeah. Um, I don't really know too much about him, but it does seem like a kind of an Arsenal signing, you know, like a, a signing sort of built towards having European football next season. Somebody who could just slot into a number of different positions when needed. Um, and obviously for everyone likes a freebie. So very powerful player, very powerful looking, very determined in the tackle as well. Bit of a, an ankle nibbler. Uh, Mitch? Uh, yeah, we seem to like players that can play a variety of different roles. Uh, he's uh, 25, I think, so a little bit older than the age range we were looking in the summer. I'm wondering if that'll shift up a little bit, if we're going to be looking uh, a little bit older at the player at some of the players we signed this summer, um, especially as we're looking for more depth that can play in European matches and stuff like that. Uh, from, from the very limited scope that I have on the player, it seems like a could be a decent signing, especially for free. I put, I'm all over this. Uh, I, I could see him fitting into an Arsenal side like yourselves, uh, doing a job in various areas. And I think uh, it adds a little bit of depth to the squad because we're still, even after this next transfer window, we're going to be short because we've had to get rid of so many. We've got some new blood coming through. We, we need to balance now. We're at that stage where we need to balance. Uh, the last one is, hey, look, they're all cheering. Uh, the <laughs> last one is Brazilian Danilo, 20 from Palmeiras. Uh, central mid, attacking mid and defensive mid, who's been described as a complete midfielder capable of playing in any defensive midfield or as a box-to-box player. 19.8 million, according to our friends at transfermarket.co.uk. Uh, Jay, seen anything of him? Um, no, not really. But um, you, I mean, if there is any truth in it, you like to think that Edu is, you know, he's all over it, you know. So, um, seems like um, it's a bit unlikely, you know, to, to buy straight from Brazil. But you never know. Um I mean, we did with Gabby. We've yeah, fourth division with Gabby, mm-hmm. and he's he's in the first division. He's one of the and one of the better teams in Brazil. Uh, we were linked with him in January, uh, and I was kind of excited about the prospect of signing him then. Um, and yeah, obviously that didn't happen. But I, I think you know, young player uh, yeah. playing for a, a top Brazilian side. Uh, from I asked one of my one of my friends that follows the league a little more closely what he thought about him when, when we were linked in January. He said, he, as far as he knew, he was a pretty, pretty decent player. Um, I mean, from everything I've seen, it look, he looks like a really good player um, and uh, seems like he can play a variety of roles within the midfield. Uh, 20 years old, you know, very good age for uh, bringing in to, to, to play some sort of role for us next season. Uh, I, I actually really would like that signing in the midfield. 
I put uh, interesting target, versatile midfielder, and that's exactly what we're going to be looking for uh, to top it all up. Uh, chaps, Chelsea tomorrow. Um, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm afraid it's 2-1 to Chelsea. I think we're going to get a goal. Uh, but I, I don't think it's going to be enough. I think they're too strong for us, to be honest. I, I wish I was wrong. I'd like to, my, my heart says one thing, my head says another. I'd like to see us win 1-0 from here, uh, but the head says 2-1. Jay? I think, I think you're spot on. I, 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 I'd love to, I, mean, I just can't see us even scoring. Like, um, I think Chelsea are too good. Um, love to be wrong, but I'm going to go, yeah, I think we're going to lose 2-0. I hate, I, I obviously don't want that. But Mitch <laughs> has pulled his jumper up. It's almost like he's going to hide. Yeah, hide away from the prediction. What's going yeah, on? I mean, I'd love to hide away a prediction, but I already kind of predicted earlier when I said we get six points and it wasn't against Chelsea. So, yeah, I think it'll probably be a loss. But like, like I was saying, I, I, I do think that we have the ability, we have, we have the strength in our squad to be able to pull this one out. We can win this game. Um, I hope our players have the same mentality where they think that we can win this game no matter what. If they don't, we're in trouble. We're not making top four. If, 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 our, if our players are going into any match and saying we can't win this, then we're not getting top four. We need to go into every single match thinking we can win this. Uh, and, and Chelsea isn't Liverpool or City. They're definitely fallible. Uh, so it, it's a winnable game, uh, like every single game. But last so, week, last week we all said we were going to win. We were going to yeah, beat. Southampton. I've said it's we're going to win. We're saying we're going to lose. I've said we're going to win. We're going to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just um, I you know the only germ of hope is is that Chelsea have really sucked on occasion this season and they've managed to just get through it. Um, so if hopefully they will suck tomorrow night and we'll get a result. But uh, anyway, guys, I've kept you long enough. Uh, thanks ever so much for your input. It's been great. Uh, John, God knows what's going to appear next week on that wall. But uh, you're acting together, John. Across my entire uh, wall that I don't own. So look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, lads. Cheers. Right, it's time for a musical interlude. Myself and Dave were wondering what sort of song could encapsulate all the feelings of sadness and sorrow, anger and frustration. Dave came up with this. There's so much that one can take and I have taken all I can. I was number one, but now and also ran. You've neglected me so badly that I've sit alone and cry. I can't take no more, so I must say goodbye. We were very happy once before your love began to cool. Lately you've been using me for just a plaything and a fool. So I'm going on my way today and find me, don't you try. I can't take no more, so I must say goodbye.
shots that one can take And I have taken all I can I was number one but now and also ran You've neglected me so badly That I sit alone and cry I can't take no more So I must say goodbye We were very happy once Before your love began to cool Lately you've been using me For just a plaything and a fool So I'm going on my way today And finally don't you try I can't take no more So I must say goodbye Elsewhere, Sean Dash was sacked as Burnley manager after what must have been a massive drinking session where they left the cat in charge of decision making. Middlesbrough boss Chris Wilder, who wrote his own underdog tale at Boyhood Club Sheffield United, is currently the favourite to replace Dyche. That's a bit like casting Julian Clary as Thanos in the Marvel films. Ralph Ragnick is preparing himself to go into is preparing himself to go into mothballs as a proper manager takes over at Manchester United. Uh, he's being replaced by Eric Tenhag, which sounds like an aggressive bet. They just go for managers with the world's worst names. A tenuous link to a Man United former player, Wayne Rooney's Derby County has been relegated after a courageous battle against a 21-point deduction. And now surely it's time to get rid of the man forest or facial pensioner snare. He's gone from babyface scouser to Captain Birdseye's stunt double in about 18 months. That's it, we're all done here. Thanks to the podcasters known as Silent Dave. You can find him on Twitter, SilentDave101. Jay is also there as the ball gooner. You can find Mitch as Mitch Piotr. Don't forget to check out his blogs at The Arse Review. Shout outs to Brandon Murphy and all the folks at arsedevils.com. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Like and follow the audio version and subscribe to the YouTube version of the show. Missing Isaiah and American Arsenology? Well, you don't have to. Look him up on Twitter. A Arsenology for 30 minutes or less match reviews delivered with a combination of quirk and music. Thanks to you once again for your continuing support. Please like and follow the podcast, whether you look or listen. And finally, remember one thing. North London is most certainly red. Somebody help me out, me out. Somebody help me out.
to show 